Who'd you say that masked man was? I have a dream. This nation will rise up. Live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident. That all men are created equal. concluded by the scientists that we need Title 42, that we'd be able to do that. With all due respect, that's a bunch of malarkey. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Democracy simply doesn't work. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. It's the Ricochet Podcast with Peter Robinson. No, with Stephen Hayward sitting in for Peter. Rob Long's here. I'm James Lalex. And we're going to talk to John Yu about everything. So let's have ourselves a podcast. I can hear you. Welcome, everybody. It's the Ricochet Podcast, number 590. And there's a special day today because we're pleased to announce the launch of Ricochet Plus. That's right. Unfortunately, Peter Robinson isn't here, and our guest um, has bailed on us. So we would now like to announce the end of Ricochet Plus, which lasted as long as its CNN inspiration. However, we're here with a regular old Ricochet podcast, sitting in for Peter Robinson this week, Stephen Hayward. Stephen, hello. Hi, James. Great to be here again. Always good to have you. And Rob, in New York, I presume? All right, Gotham. All right, I am good. in Gotham. All right, gentlemen, before we get to the big issues of the day, I want to run something by you. Tell me before if we get I'm the big right. issues, let's do, do some small issues. So, <laughs> yes. Okay. Small, tiny, little issues. Little, 88, minuscule. Little old 88-acre issues. Um, let me see if I understand the contemporary progressive uh, Bible correctly. Slavery is wrong, which it is. Um, targeting Muslims is wrong for, for the religion is wrong, which it is. Right. Um, endless copyright extensions for big corporations is a payoff to them um, and allowing corporations themselves to actually control land outside of government is the ultimate expression of conservative ideas. And also, don't anybody criticize this company founded by the guy we think was a Nazi sympathizer. Do I have that right? I'm confused. I mean, you're talking about Disney. Yes. Yes, I am. Yeah. Well, I mean, every time I talk about Disney, um, somebody smarter than me corrects me. Um, I had a long conversation with our old fr- our friend, friend of Ricochet and, and, and journalist and business owner, uh, Charles Cook, who uh, mm-hmm. is a Floridian, Floridian I mean, yes. by, by way of the United Kingdom. So he's mm-hmm. like, he, he's either, you know, at some point that, that English accent is going to sound very fakey. Um, and he insists, of course, that uh, he, good conservative he is, that, that, that we're kind of missing the point in Florida in terms of the land use, that Florida has a lot of these kinds of special. Yes, they um, do. They do. They have uh, many, they have thousands. including Cape Canaveral, et cetera. Um, so that's sort of a, that, that may may or may not be um, the, the the best way to do. I mean, I'm, I'm more in, I'm more concerned with um, the, the the what seems to be at first glance, the hypocrisy on the right, which is that we we supported citizens united mm-hmm. and i know we have john you on in i guess in about 10 15 minutes so what i'm going to ask him is is uh governor DeSantis a person a governor i admire is he is his is his are his actions against disney in are they uh are they consistent with citizens united or not Citizens united said of course that they're that corporations have the right to free speech Mm-hmm. Um, and we, of course, we broadly defined as conservatives believe that. 
uh, the left probably find is MSNBC. Well, you, you, one, one might say, of course they do. What they're not insulated from is is reaction to it and and, right. and fallout, which is what everyone is always saying about cancel culture, right? Yes. Yeah. The, the market fallout. Right. But, you know, these boycotts never really <laughs> the, the market fallout doesn't really happen. I mean, Disney's not moving out of Florida and he's not kicking Disney out of Florida no. and people are still going to go to Disney and they're still going to watch the Disney Channel. I mean, that's what's going to happen. Um, that's what always happens. Um, but it's right. right. Stephen, what's your take on this? Because, I mean, I one of the things we're hearing a lot, of course, and I'm just saying that very vaguely so I don't have to ascribe it to anybody, at least alone myself, God forbid wouldn't want to have something out there that I have to stand for, uh, is that, uh, well, this is how the game is played. And the conservatives have been beaten up for years, for decades by the left, which has been getting its way mm. by badgering corporations. And now, actually, somebody is pushing back on that and saying, all right, you, if this is the way the game is played, then we are going to play the game. And the fact that it may run contrary to certain you know, uh, principles of conservatism doesn't matter because that's gone, that's dead, that's over. We have to fight. And so there are people who, when it comes to taking away the stuff from Disney because of what they've said, there are people who used to love to hate that idea. And now they kind of hate that they love it. But yeah, well, we'll have uh, John Ewan in a few minutes who can comment on the one legal aspect of this. Although I do have to say, I don't really think this is a Citizens United type issue. And here I have to just brag a little bit about a moment in the oral argument of that case when Chief Justice Roberts asked the defender of McCain-Feingold, doesn't Professor Hayward's brief contradict you on all three of those points that was yeah. actually that was actually my spouse not me i have to say but she doesn't matter yeah, right exactly it was um, i wasn't there my wife just about fainted in the second row listening to the arguments anyway uh, uh what's going on here is um, a secondary issue which is you can say anything you want as a corporation uh, you do have this free speech rights but uh the issue is should we continue to extend corporate welfare to you so i think this is the way you know politics ain't beanbag as the old saying goes and so for Republicans in Florida say, fine, if you're going to put your foot on the scale, we're going to retaliate and take away some of your tax goodies. Now, I have seen and don't know if it's true, but I have seen an analysis that actually this is a bad move fiscally because it's going to transfer some tax burden to general taxpayers in that area of Florida. So it yes. may be counterproductive. I don't know, but uh, it could be that uh, this move will turn out to be impulsive and counterproductive, but we'll just have to see. I like the instincts of DeSantis and the Republicans in Florida uh, to fight back and say there should be a cost to your political virtue signaling. What exactly did they do? Did anybody remember this? I mean, I was thinking the other day, am I confusing statements that they made with rallies that they permitted, with Zoom webinars where people were talking about what they were doing? What exactly are we responding to here, just so we're clear? Well, I think it was uh, Disney making public statements criticizing the, I'm going to call it the parental rights bill, not the don't right. say, I won't say mm -hmm. what they right. don't say we're not supposed to say, or wherever that litany goes. Uh, and... Uh, uh, so they criticized the bill and, and said they were going to withhold campaign contributions, I think, from Republican legislators. Um, and, and so the, the countervailing point here is Disney apparently enjoys, as you just referenced a minute ago, um, some special governing privileges. They have their own taxing and spending authority, apparently, in some special district. I remember when Disney was founded there in Florida, what, in mid-1960s, 
that was still in the days of Florida, mostly swampland. And so probably a great deal for the state. Um, so maybe it's obsolete. I don't know. But I think the general instinct to say, let's end corporate welfare. I mean, that's something conservatives have been saying inconsistently for a long time now. And it's great politics, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's great. It's also right. I mean, the mm-hmm. corporate welfare in general or any uh, shrinking government, shrinking government handouts for everyone is a good idea. Yeah. Um, uh, Florida, especially Florida, which is, you know, 387 days of sunshine, except for the 33 days of hurricanes it has, <laughs> is still a great place to have a vacation business, which is what Disney World is. That's why they went there. Um, so th- there's... It, 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 you know, you, 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 whether it's Governor DeSantis or Charlie Crist is the governor, it's still Sunshine State, so people still want to want to be there. Um, and it already is business friendly in that it has a, you know, kind of a, a appropriate tax structure. It's a business friendly in the in South Florida, especially now. Um, so they're already doing what they need to do to attract business. Um, the the special I I don't I can't claim to really fully understand the weird peculiarities of Florida's um you know special administrative regions <laughs> for whatever the, or whatever they're calling them um that they which sounds like the Uyghur camp to be yeah right. apparently there's tons of them by the way there's like yeah. there's, well, hold on there's more than um more than a few uh but but it it, it is true that when a company or when you take a step in the political realm, you should expect a response. And I think what's happened in this case is two two things. One is this sort of the the awkward maladroit behave the awkward maladroit actions of a new CEO at Disney who replaced a very 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 smart, sophisticated, smooth operator. Uh, Probably, I think probably the the smartest, most brilliant entertainment executive in a long, long time, Bob Iger. So the new guy, Bob Chapek, is just not no. He's just no Iger, and he was caught flat-footed. So he's not as good as Iger. But also, he, no one in Hollywood in show business expects anyone ever to respond negatively. So they mm-hmm. didn't expect anybody to say, "Hey, wait a minute, what?" They didn't, they, they, this is the problem with living in a bubble. You don't know there's another side. Mm-hmm. You didn't read the, you don't, you don't believe there's a normal person who can marshal a normal argument that you might actually find partially convincing uh, on the other side. And if you don't believe that, then you're just, you're absolutely flabbergasted and, and completely flummoxed when someone marshals that response. Well, um, right. People believe that there's another side. They're just full of cretins and 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 uh, biblical literalists and snake handers and yeah. Well, they, the they, just, they, they just, never assume. They just did that. That is the problem with the the MSNBC bubble, right? I mean, th- what's interesting about this is like I, I'm I'm in, I'm this is I'm going to try this on on Steve. So this, this is my my new thought, my my new um, big think for the next uh, week. I'm trying out. Uh, we 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 accept that. I, I, the premise is left-wing bubble hurts liberals. They live in this bubble. They, they, all they do is read left-wing press. They don't even understand. They don't mean conservatives have to be bilingual, right? That's what the mm-hmm. John Podoris told me this once. And he's absolutely right. Conservatives have to speak liberal just to get along. Liberals never have to speak conservative. 
Um, so it makes them do crazy things. It makes them espouse insane things that are just so weird and way out and leads to what's probably going to happen in the midterms. Yeah, no, I'm in heated agreement with that. Uh, the, my corollary to it, I think, is one that came from Glenn Reynolds uh, at Instapundit, who said, uh, the left wants conservatives to shut up. And what conservatives want is for the left to keep talking their own worst enemy. <laughs> yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Well, the libs of TikTok, right? That's what that is. Yes, exactly. Just keep talking. But so my, the corollary for me for that is um, the, 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 big, the, the biggest most colossal error in judgment of the past, I would say, 10 years has got to be the invasion of Ukraine. Vladimir Putin, who uh, a year ago was thought of as a smart guy, a brilliant strategist. He was so smart. If you were a liberal, he took he stole an election. And even if you were a conservative, you thought he had it. You know, this guy, he's smart. He's uh, reinvigorating Western values or culture or whatever you wanted. Like he was a university. He was admired on the left. Uh, not admired, but feared for his smarts and admired on the right in some places for his, like, I don't know, traditional values. Um, And he read the far right press in a bubble. You look at that desk that he's in, that's a bubble desk. And he believed it. And he thought, I'm going to, I'll be in Kiev in, I don't know, 48 hours. That is a fable for our time. That's the problem with living in a bubble. You never hear the real news. And Bob Chapik, Vladimir Putin, people like that who don't hear the real news end up looking extremely foolish. And I cannot believe I just compared a decent man, Bob <laughs> Chapik, who didn't do anything wrong with the world, with the great supervillain. But you know what I mean? Like, there's a problem when you're not listening to, like, you are where the other side is, as far as you're concerned, is just it's just lunacy. I think uh, you, you end up making big, big errors. You do. And by lunacy, of course, when I was saying before that if you believe that there is another argument to make, but the people who make it are completely off you know, outside of the pale, not even necessary to engage, that explains a lot of the controversy, a lot of the reaction to the lifting of the mask mandate. Um, people, there was a, there, there's a sect of people who are absolutely convinced of the efficacy of masks and they, it's, it's a devotion. It is a way yeah. of, they can walk onto a plane and if they see that everybody, every single person on that plane has a mask and it's cloth and it's not exactly very tight, they're still reassured because the sight of that tells me I'm amongst my tribe. These are the people who know. These are the people who care. These are the people who are compassionate toward us and realize that we live, live in a society. So the idea that there's any other position than that drives these people crazy and around the bend. And we've seen it on Twitter. We've seen it in the conversation today with the, the, the mask mandate. The Biden administration, we'll talk to John about this, but I want to get your take on this. Do you think this is because they are responding to that small little percentage of people who are absolutely so wrapped up in their identity of the mask, of being the masked good person, the virtuous masked, or is it because they really honestly believe that this is a matter of public health and we have to get them back on the plane before they're COVID super spreader events that dump variant 2BA.7314 in a heretofore unaffected part of the country. What do they think? Well, I I mean, someone said, it might have been you, James, that masks have become the MAGA hats of progressives. Uh, You know, they're just a totem that that signals your virtue. Uh, uh, Your perfidy, your perfidy. Right. So I I mean, I thought for a long time that uh, the Biden administration would be very reluctant to give up mass mandates and the lockdown mentality generally, not just for bureaucratic imperative, which is bad enough, but for a deeper 
problem the left has had. Uh, it's Earth Day today, which we may want to skip over because it's boring. But uh, oh, hey, hey. I, no, no. I won a Writers Guild Award for writing a sketch for the Earth Day special. So I'm an environmental <laughs> activist and I'll have you know that I have that award. I had that word proudly displayed in my downstairs bathroom. Right. All right. Well, here, here's the point. We'll do quickly, which is uh, both the environmental movement, but liberalism more broadly today has taught people to be panicky, to be risk averse, uh, to expect that it is the duty of the government to deliver a zero risk world. So for the Biden administration to say, let's stop with the mass mandate, because I know their pollsters are telling them this was hugely unpopular with many Democratic constituencies, especially suburban moms they depend on as a key swing vote, uh, but that risks angering the very vocal base of the party that believes that they deserve and can expect a zero-risk world. So I've always thought that they were caught. So this judge has given them an off-ramp that they ought to grab. Um, uh, and, you know, you see that they're having to they're going to appeal it, but they're not asking for a stay of the district court's uh, uh, judgment, which I think is a, a real tell that they really want to get rid of this, but they've got to preserve their bureaucratic prerogatives. I want them to right. win. I want it to be reinstated on the yep. day it was supposed to expire. <laughs> yeah. And I want yeah, it to be like a, right. like a 37 minute period there in which people in planes are required to put them on at 30,000 feet for 30 minutes, uh, able to take them off, of course, while drinking and eating, and then remove them completely when the ban expires. Yeah. Well, you know, Los Angeles has said, no, no, we're still going to keep mass mandates on our mass transit and at our airport. So if you go to LAX or Burbank, you have to wear a mask in the airport, and then you can take it off when you board the plane. How ridiculous is this? I know. But the thing of it is, is that and they'll let you get away. They will let you do it if you are wearing a cloth mask, even though we know that no matter how many thread counts you got in that mask, that the virus is going to get through it. I know, look, I know uh, John Yu is going to join us so we can talk about the legalities uh, here. But but my, that, did you not see that segue? Did you not see I, it? I like, did not in, see it. Uh, but I, IMAX before, flashing I, before. I, like I know, but I just trailer. have to say this. I think that we need to stop complaining about people on the left covering their mouths. The fact that people uh, on the left want to walk around wearing muzzles is fantastic. Freudian, even. And mm-hmm. we need to encourage that. I don't. There's, right. I don't, there's nothing wrong with people wearing masks. If they want to wear a mask, I I say double mask. I don't. That way, it's fantastic. I mean, I I think they are. Uh, it, it's a it's a public good. And if you want to wear a muzzle, go right ahead. I agree. It it. I have no problem with people wearing them themselves. I just get back to the point about thread count. Well, that's about. That's, I'm sorry. Oh yeah. It, it just no. It's no. It's ruined. No. It's ruined. You just <laughs> I, ruined. And it. I didn't even mean to ruin it either. But you did. You always do. You walk in. Oh, well, wait a minute. The thing about anyway, uh, uh, thread count is a, it's it a is total watching. myth, as you know. Well, it's a complete it myth. Absolutely. It's a total lie. It is. You've been hearing about thread count how many years now and thinking, oh, my God, this is like 7,000 thread count. It must be the most comfortable sheets in the world. Nah, no, 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 no. It doesn't matter how many threads your sheets have if they're not the best threads possible. Yeah, you ever think about that, the quality of the threads? Listen, Bowl and Branch, that's right, our old friends, Bowl and Branch, they use the best 100% cotton, organic cotton threads you can find on this earth and then give you a superior softness and a better night's sleep. The sheets aren't just buttery, breathable, and impossibly soft to, to begin with. They get softer with every wash, which is quite remarkable. And I'm able to say this every single week. Every single week we wash the sheets. Every single week they get better. And I can repeat this over and over and over again. I've had these things for years. They wear like iron, but they feel like the absolute opposite. The signature hemmed sheets from Bowl and Branch are a bestseller for a very good reason. 
Bowen Branch uses the highest quality threads on earth for superior softness and a better night's sleep. Their sheets are made with threads so luxurious they're beloved by three U.S. presidents. They feel buttery to the touch, and they're super breathable, too, so they're perfect for every season. They didn't acquire over 10,000 stellar reviews for no reason. When you've got the best sheets on the market on the earth, people notice. They're so confident, by the way, that you love them. Bowling Branch gives you a 30-night risk-free trial with free shipping and returns on all your orders. So head on over to Bowling Branch to get total sleep satisfaction. Get 15% off your first set of sheets when you use promo code RICOCHET at BowlingBranch.com. That's Bowling Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, Branch.com. Promo code RICOCHET. And we thank Bowling Branch for sponsoring this, the Ricochet Podcast. Our guest was supposed to be Michael Schellenberger, who's running for the governor of California. He is under the weather, uh, unable to join us. We're going to have him at a later point. Can't wait. The guy's running on some great stuff. But casting around for other podcast guests to fill his spot, we thought, do we have to? Do we have to go and you know break the glass with a little red hammer and push the button and get John Yu? We do. And we did. John. Oh, well, come to this. That's right. It's our favorite legal correspondent, our only legal correspondent, but even so, our favorite one, John Yu, who I understand is cowering under his desk right now because you had an active shooter event on campus, right? I wish. No, because then I would finally be allowed to bring my gun on campus. (laughs) (laughs) You're the only person in the middle of an active shooter lockdown to say, well, wait a minute. Let's just, first of all, these are the Second Amendment rights. (laughs) (laughs) i always wanted to say i know what you're thinking punk did he fire (laughs) five shots or six (laughs) but in all the excitement i forgot myself (laughs) so where do we begin we've got disney we got florida we've got the mask mandate uh, being repealed and we've got rob about to say something yeah can i just jump in here because like what you missed john was that i i uh i i suggested a legal uh analysis that is probably wrong Mm. And that you'll probably do your little legal mumbo jumbo thing on. <laughs> and I suggested that it seems to me that um, that if you if you support Citizens United, that uh, that you know that that this is you know the First Amendment rights to co- corporations essentially, um, you know that 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 corporations are people to use the um, the left sort of attack. Um, that maybe what. Governor DeSantis, a governor I admire very much, but maybe what he's doing uh, 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 towards Disney is uh, not necessarily in uh, in agreement with that. That he's probably that that cheering DeSantis on may also seems like it's a little bit in contradiction to the spirit or the even the letter of the law of Citizens United. Am I right? Am I full of it? Am I both? Well, always both. <laughs> but no, I think you have a you have a good point. I would I think of it this way. Uh, so if you remember, uh, Florida used to be a swamp. Now it's just a swamp with money. But it used to be just be a swamp, and they were trying to get That's businesses true of the to earth come. too. By the way, just so you know. <laughs> so they were trying to get businesses to come. Right, this was back in the right sixties or whatever. So they offered Disney a great deal to come set up an amusement park. Right, they said. Basically, we're going to give you this special zone where you have mystical power. Actually, it sounds like Disney World back in California. You have mystical powers where you basically get to govern this area, this land, as if you were the government itself. It's really, you know, that generally you don't give that power mm-hmm. to companies. So then Disney invests millions and millions of dollars. And now, because Florida does not like 
the position, as you said, that Disney is taking, which it can under the First Amendment, it has their free speech rights to criticize policy, to take whatever positions it pleases, to give money to candidates. Florida is taking away that benefit. And the thing that bothers me is not that Florida and Disney are having a dispute about politics or policy. That's fine, as you say, Rob. Citizens United recognizes that. It's that Florida is basically pulling out of the deal that it used long, long ago to get Disney to build its amusement park. So it's as if, like, take New York City. It's as if you said, okay, we're going to let you build this huge skyscraper and entertainment complex in downtown Manhattan, and we're going to you know, give you tax breaks. And then all of a sudden, after you build it, they say, ah, oh, we're taking the tax breaks away. Oh, John, are you saying this is like uh, you know, Charles River Bridge or Fletcher versus Peck, that, uh, that uh, Florida is actually breaking or a due process violation? Are you saying that they're actually um, you know, breaking what ought to be a, uh, a permanent covenant with the company? I mean, they can't say it's uh, permanent, but I think Disney could reasonably say, look, we, we invested money in this area. You made us a promise. And now you're breaking some of the original understandings that led us to come to Florida in the first place. I, I bet Florida, if they were smart, I've never looked at it. I bet nobody has in a long time carefully wrote the contract back then to get Disney to come and said, well, there might be circumstances we might have to change the deal. But still, if you're Disney now, on the other hand, you could say these Disney, the Disney management being idiots to threaten this huge money making sweet deal in order to, you know, to make this political stand. So like, I'm, I'm half with Rob, um, but I'm not all the way with Steve. I'm not sure it's a takings quite yet, but it's pretty close, it sounds to me. But couldn't Disney respond and say, or could, couldn't Disney respond and say, look, um, you could conceivably change the terms, but wouldn't you have to, a grounds for changing the terms have to be how we're using the land itself, that we are mismanaging it, that, that, that mm-hmm. it's sort of it's part of the the grant you've given us, we are somehow... Uh, yeah, we're being singled out because of our views. Well, but instead, we're being, our views. and then couldn't um, d- uh, Florida respond, well, when we wrote this contract, it would never occur to us that you as a company would be taking an active role in our internal politics that have nothing to do with the running of an amusement park. I mean, I, hasn't, isn't this the, the problem? Isn't the problem now that these gigantic companies or even small companies are encroaching on areas that was Walt Disney could never, but by the way, Walt Disney would be spinning with curses in his grave. A very conservative guy would never have imagined that his company namesake company would be taking this position or even that the government itself would be involved in these issues. I I actually think Disney has, I I have no sympathy for Disney and I think the better job, you know, their better policy would be not, not to comment on policy, but I wonder if you're Disney, you would say, well, you're punishing us for our views. <clears throat> Have you done anything negative to other companies that support Florida? I mean, it's a classic First Amendment violation. So, so the, the standard case is I, I want a parade permit and you're, you know, you're not giving, uh, I don't even, I haven't been to Disney World or Disneyland. Don't they have like a parade at the end of the day and shoot fireworks over, you know, <laughs> the sleep? I love how you pretend, you know, I love how you pretend you're, you're not there all the time with your little <laughs> Mickey Mouse hat, your eyes all aglow, the giant tickle. Like, come on. I'm like, still pissed about they, that. I can't, I is there something there? I don't even know. Give me a Isn't break. there 
there's some like pass you can get that lets you get in as much as you want for a year. Yeah, something tells me you got that pass. <laughs> no, I have no, I have no reason to think that price doubled in the last two years or anything like that. But <laughs> oh, but come on, John. I mean, what's, what's if you can't single out a company for arbitrary punishment? What's the point of being in politics? I mean, that's, that's part of the perks of office, isn't it? Uh, well, just but politically, it's it's um it's not. I mean, look, there aren't that many, I don't think, right now, operative politicians as smart as Governor DeSantis. He seems about as smart as they come. He's chosen carefully the specific issues he talks about. You know, it was COVID, COVID, COVID when it was COVID. And now he's pitting to culture, culture, culture. And he he's uh, these are the building blocks of a what I expect to be a very successful maybe not ultimately, but a very successful presidential campaign. Um, what's the downside here for him, just politically? Oh, well, this is your guys' field more than mine, but uh, I think it's brilliant. I mean, isn't Disney sort of doing exactly everything it can to help DeSantis become president of the United States? Maybe that's Walt Disney's secret plan here. <laughs> no, but I, I, I agree. I think, uh, I, I don't know what you guys, I actually read a lot of the liberal press because it's fun and amusing and there's lots of cartoons to be colored sure. in, but they are freaked out about all this. They, I, they are constantly scratching their heads and asking, how is it that the conservatives beat the hell out of us in the culture wars every day and drive out their base and kill us in the elections because you know in their minds they should be governing with two-thirds majorities in the house and senate because all their ideas are so right but i i think they they are they tip their hats to desantis they they do not know how to respond I mean, if you look if you look watch uh, liberal television they don't really they're not really putting up good segments and commentators with any effective response rob i think you're right John, can I shift gears to the mass mandate ruling this week? Uh, first, three observations on the reaction to it that are amusing but typical. One is uh, the, the media and the left talked about it was a Trump judge when we were told that mm -hmm. it was out of bounds when Trump talked about Obama judges. Second, she's unqualified. Young. She's unqualified. unqualified. Right. Oh, yes. she's only 35 years old from she's the same people. Who, yeah, from the same people who tell us we're supposed to listen to Greta Thunberg and how to fix the world's problems. <laughs> um, but then third, and this is uh, uh, sort of challenge, I think, to us, John, is, uh, you know, there's always some district court judge in Hawaii who was giving a nationwide injunction under Trump. And now this uh, judge has uh, essentially given a nationwide uh, not injunction, but the nationwide application of uh, the ruling striking down the mass mandate. Um, so you know, take those threads together. Uh, and then also the, the, the appeal from the Biden administration. Why are they doing this? Why are they um, uh, taking this gift and handing it back? First, can I say I went on a plane the day after the mask mandate when oh. it was dropped and it was awesome. <laughs> I would, I was coughing and sneezing all over everybody next to me. It was great. <laughs> no, actually I, you know, the interesting thing is flying from San Francisco to Washington, I would say actually 80% of the people still kept the masks on, including all the stewardesses. With those destinations? Everybody. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah consider the point of origin, too. Yeah. <laughs> so it was, I actually expected much more, uh, you know, much more people walking around normally. So I, I, you know, so first on terms of the, you know, you, her youth and uh, who appointed her. I agree with you, Steve. It shouldn't matter. I mean, what we should do is read the opinion on the merits. Read the read the opinion and decide whether you think it's correct or not. And so, I always think like people who immediately start attacking the judge 
show the they can't argue on the merits. But actually, it's a really close case. It's not obviously one way or the other. I mean, I think there's a good chance it's going to get overturned on appeal, even though I think politically it's unwise. Uh, I'll explain the problem. But the problem is of the Biden administration's own making. The reason why Judge Mazzell found that the mask mandate was illegal was because of the overreach of the Biden administration in the past two cases, the vaccine mandate case, and then mm-hmm. in particular, the mm-hmm. moratorium on evictions. In fact, this opinion parallels almost paragraph by paragraph the Supreme Court's decision over the summer to strike down the eviction moratorium. Because the, the administration made the exact same stupid arguments they made in that first case, they made again to Judge Mazzell, and they lost again. I mean, this administration so so they made the the claim under what's called the Public Health Services Act, and that basically says the government is allowed to try to stop the spread of disease. So that sounds good for the administration, but then it says by and says things like fumigation, sanitation, inspections. And so Judge Mazzell said, "Well, maybe that means." The government can require you to clean the inside of the airplane. But masks, she said, don't clean. Masks don't sanitize. She could not find a power in that list that required passengers to wear masks. That is a pretty reasonable decision. Well, John, it's the spirit of the law, not the letter of the law. We all know that they're trying to keep us all safe. And what's more, as some are saying, this is going to make it difficult the next time we have a pandemic. I hear that an awful lot, that decisions like this are going to make it very hard for the government the next time we have a pandemic, which they're already leaning into and sort of, you know, almost like waiting for it to happen again so they can get back to all these marvelous status. James, that's why you got to read my book from 15 years ago (laughs) about emergency (laughs) power. I'm still waiting for the movie. To come out. <laughs> yeah. But wait, can I? No, my, my argument is that emergencies come up unexpectedly. So you got to conserve your power. You got to hoard it as president and only use it when it really matters. So mm-hmm. petering it out on things like no more moratorium, no more evictions, or trying to get everyone to get a vaccine, or right. this one, forcing a mask, it squanders the power. But for, as your point is, for when it's really going to matter in the future. Mm-hmm. But don't we want this to be settled here? I mean, don't, I mean, don't we want the Biden administration to take this all the way to what? Don't we need a ruling here to understand what the limits of a federal bureaucracy really are? Because it is in, you know, it is the feckless Congress that kicks these things into the bureaucracy, the unelected mandarins here. And it doesn't matter whether you're left or right. It doesn't matter whether you're Republican or Democrat. They all love it. They would rather have this person somewhere in some faceless office do the, the the hard work and don't we need to have somebody at least kick it right back where it belongs with the accountable politicians i mean no somebody I'm really going to say you really do need to read this uh, nobody can see it. This is a book about what Rob's talking right, about. So it just came uh, out a for, month for those ago. of you listening at home, John <laughs> Yu is holding up a book and you know what i'll be honest it's called The Administrative State and the Supreme Court. Um, and it looks, I gotta say, <laughs> boring. It looks boring and expensive. <laughs> What's it the is. price on that book? It's just like something on the Disney streaming channel. It looks like the kind of thing you you assign your students, exactly, and then they put it, and then as the student loans pay for it. Oh my God, you figured out the whole thing. Yeah, now. figured out your scam, you. Uh, uh, but no, so your point. But that's, answer my that's question. The point. Oh, that's the point of the book is. Uh, what's happened? The political dynamic is Congress doesn't want to make any hard choices. 
because if you make a hard choice, that means someone's going to run against you for re-election. So you don't make any hard choices. You let the bureaucracy decide all the tough questions, and then you blame them, and you support them if they do something good. And that's how you get re-elected. The problem is the decisions are made by bureaucrats like uh, Dr. Fauci, who are insulated from any kind of political accountability. That's true of the mask mandate. Most people do. Most people make a distinction between the bureaucrats and the legislation. It seems that people just sort of view it all as the big, amorphous, all-knowing blob of government over there. Whether the regulations come from somebody in a in a regulatory agency or come from Congress doesn't really matter. What matters is we got to get people to mask because we've got two years to slow the spread and masks we know are our best tool and they work so i mean that's it's a great it's, it's a necessary argument to have i'm not exactly sure that it has a great resonance with the people who are anxious for daddy government to just do everything and make well, us this, safe no you're right james that's what that's what the elected politicians bank on is that people will be confused they won't make distinctions they don't really know who's in charge so they'll just blame the government they won't blame their local congressman or congresswoman who they like personally and, you know, does them favors, constituency service. And so the real, this is something actually that's flying beneath the radar, but this is something conservatives on the Supreme court are aiming to fix. They are trying, they've got a case right now before them that says if the court strikes down, the court is going to try to place limits on how far Congress can Go and giving power over to the bureaucracies and force it to make choices itself. And people are, are terrified by that because they think it's going to deforest the entire country. These wonderful, this canopy of green, wonderful right. regulations and laws we have are all going to be chopped down and mulched. And speaking of which, well, if they are, at least are, at least your backyard will look well. Actually, your backyard will look terrible anyway. Yeah, it will. All backyards have, look terrible. I'm in California. I don't have a backyard. I have a. You know, I have a little six by four foot of uh, plot of artificial grass back here. So, James, you're getting getting segment interruptions in stereo right now, James. I I know. It's (laughs) it's really quite remarkable. I've got a pro pro and I have somebody who doesn't know what he's doing. Right. Uh, The point would be, though, if you do find your tree gone and Lord knows that we do have that I've lost large i've lost huge big glorious expensive trees and you've got this space in the sky that you want to replace and what do you do you got to sit there and wait for how many years to fill up well let me tell you about something called fast growing trees i have a lot of trees in the backyard but i want more i love trees who doesn't thing is you plant them a little spindly things you got to wait forever for them to grow well no that's why we're telling you all about fast growing trees Spring and summer, there's seasons for finally getting outdoors for some entertaining pool parties, barbecues. But if your yard looks like a you know a plant cemetery, you're not going to enjoy that backyard very much. Get your place looking like a resort, easy with fast-growing trees. When it comes to caring for your plant, you don't know how matters expertise, we should say. Uh, that's why fastgrowingtrees.com's experts curate thousands of plant varieties that will thrive in your specific climate, your location, your needs. There's no waiting in lines, no messy cars from hauling plants all over town or dirt in the trunk because you order online over the phone and your plants are shipped to your door in one to two days. Plus, they're growing in care advice. It's available 24-7. Whether you're looking to in- increase your privacy, you know, with a nice wall of trees or shade, or add some natural beauty to your yard, fast-growing trees have the perfect plants and the expertise to help you find them. Even if you've never had a green thumb, and I don't, I touch things, they die, but it doesn't happen with what they've sent me. And what's more, they make me kind of feel like I do have that 
green thumb. One million home gardeners agree, and they've already seen what fastgrowingtrees.com can do for them. So here's the deal. I got this spot, and uh, we're going we're gonna to keep you updated on this. But uh, I loved what came, and it came fast. And again, you know, that whole thing about not having to dirt the car. I've had that every time I've had the Dragon Arbor Vita home. Somehow I got to get out of the vacuum. I didn't with this time, and it went in. Root ball, everything perfect, you know, but my fingers aren't crossed. I'm not worried. Because it's fast-growing trees. And they have a 30-day alive and thrive guarantee. So you can trust everything will be healthy for years to come. Go to fastgrowingtrees.com slash ricochet right now, and you will get 15% off your entire order. Get 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com slash ricochet. Fastgrowingtrees.com slash ricochet. And we thank Fast Growing Trees for sponsoring this, the Ricochet Podcast. So, Stephen, you had something for John. About the regulatory thing, the, the case yeah. before the Supreme Court we were talking about, because I was wondering where that was going. I, it's been floating out there for a while. Are we going to get a rule? Let's ask John, how do you think the court is going to rule when it comes down to perhaps saying the regulatory state has, dare I say, gone too far? I know that sounds absurd, but it's possible they might have. It's up to Rob's buddy, Kavanaugh, actually, <laughs> because there, he's, uh, there have been uh, four justices who've said pretty clearly, I think, that they want to cut back on Congress's powers to get out of these questions by delegating them to the agency. So in James's point, if you want to make environmental laws, you want to stop pipelines, you want to set gas mileage requirements, you want to force us to have electric cars, then Congress vote up and down on it. <clears throat> and so Kavanaugh, I think, is really the fifth vote. And he has signaled that he would be interested in going along. There's a big case at the Supreme Court right now, very boring on the facts, but it's an environmental law case where the court is squarely being asked to, to strike down laws where Congress gives power too much power away and decide for yourselves. The mask mandate, in fact, uh, to Rob's point, this is actually one of the points that the Supreme Court made when it struck down the vaccine mandate and when it struck down the eviction moratorium. It said Congress is in charge of the major questions in social and economic life. And we're not going to presume Congress didn't make a decision on masks. or We're not going to presume Congress just lets the administration decide on vaccines. We're going to assume if, con if those decisions are before us, it's up to the legislature. And we're not going to let the administration get away, as James suggested, by, you know, bending, squeezing, mm -hmm. stretching the law in all its vagueness to suddenly say, we can impose masks, we can make you get a vaccine, and we're not going to let anyone get evicted. Well, prediction for you, possibly. Uh, if uh, an appeals court of the Supreme Court strikes down the CDC's authority to impose the mask mandate and other things, uh, I thought from the very beginning of this and the beginning of legal controversies that what was going to come out of all this was a demand for a cabinet-level Department of Plan uh, Pandemic Planning and Prevention. The only way to cut Anthony Fauci's salary, by the way, is make him take secretary's wages. Anyway, like we got with the Department of Homeland Security, which I think mm -hmm. was a bad idea. And right. I can fully see Biden and the Democrats proposing that. They'll probably think it's a nifty way to put Republicans on the defensive heading into the... Uh, yeah, they want us all to die. Election. They're against this. They, wa they want you yeah. to die in another... Yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, that... that uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm all for the Supreme Court to, uh, making major adjustments to the um, uh, balance of power between the branches, but I can easily see that the, the liberal answer is going to be, and I don't think they have the votes now, but they might in the future. Okay, fine. Let's have more powerful, new and more powerful agencies. Hey, Steve, can I try something out on you? Uh, so, so the premise that in the battle, the giant battle between the bureaucrats and the elected representatives, culturally, the argument is 
well, have you met a congressman? They're morons. <laughs> like these guys are like used car salesmen. They got to run every two years. They spend about 20 minutes reading bullet points because they're, they're too busy doing the uh, nicely put constituent services, but mostly just glad handing and raising money. And they're basically on the, on the take, right? They're sleaze bags. They're the design. The system's designed to make them um, on the, on the, on the take bureaucrats I, on the other hand are smart and they like they yeah. study and they're experts in the field. So we should, uh, we should always defer, uh, err on the side of the bureaucrat, uh, judge the bureaucrat <laughs> judgment, I should say. Yeah. Well, you're right that there is, I'll put it this way. There is an asymmetry of information and, and, you know, knowledge of how the levers work between right. the bureaucrats and members of Congress. However, there is a huge opportunity for just a handful of House Republicans to change that. And whenever a House member uh, asks me, as they used to when I lived in Washington, uh, what, what, would, what would they do to try and contest the bureaucracy? I always say there are two Democrats who you ought to study closely, John Dingell and Henry Waxman. Uh, Dingell, chair of the Energy and Commerce Committee, mm -hmm. Waxman of Government Oversight Committee. They had large, very skillful staffs who got into the weeds. And I can tell you, this has been true when the, both of them were in the in the House, that you did not want to be on the receiving end of a letter from John Dingell, uh, if you're at the EPA or the Department of Commerce right. or wherever. And so we, we need some Republicans who have that kind of determination and skill to emulate their method. And we really don't have very many of those. Okay, but... but uh, but I'm, I'm just going to go even farther than that. So I'm, I'm, I'm that that seems that answer is too smart, and 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 uh, <laughs> I, I'm go, I'm going big. It's 2022, so it's the first quarter of the century is now over. Essentially, in that quarter century, all we have seen are colossal, massive failures of experts from uh, an Iraq war that saw no weapons of mass destruction to a financial collapse from financial experts to uh, the experts in the epidemiology department that failed and gave us ridiculous solutions to, um, I mean, it, it, in some way, we mentioned it before, you could even, I guess, throw in there the idea that uh, the insane blunder by somebody, by, by Vladimir Putin with his ridiculous uh, um, intelligence, this has been a, a, a humiliating 22, 23 years for the so-called experts in almost every realm. So maybe the grubby little local businessmen who have to run every two years and their bad suits and crappy haircuts and their hands outstretched for the handout, maybe, maybe the system actually worked better when... They were the final, maybe the argument that, well, you really want some crazy congressman from some weird place to be uh, uh, second guessing Dr. Fauci. Maybe the answer to that question is an emphatic resounding. Yes, we yeah. do. Right. This isn't a, 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 a rejection of expertise because expertise can work. Expertise can come up with smart solutions. It's a rejection of the experts that we've had who seem to have been just microwaving their seed corn for the last 10, 20 years, not doing anything <laughs> but protecting their phony baloney jobs and being, well, it, confusing credentialism with expertise. In other words, if I have a piece of paper from this institution in this branch, that therefore means that I have judgment, wisdom, knowledge, et cetera, when it just means basically you said the things that needed to be said to get the paper. So we don't try. I mean, we still trust brain surgeons 
to be experts because we, we believe that there, there's a process there that requires a certain level of expertise in order to get inside your head with pointy little things. But when it comes to a lot of these other things, no, they're just simply experts because we've deigned them such. They've been tapped on the shoulder twice by the, by the, you know, the straw cane of, uh, of, of government and they get the power. So Rob's right. I mean, we have, I mean, I would I differ with you about the Iraq war. That's a, that's thornier than that. You might want to toss in the Afghan withdrawal as a, as a experience, as an incidence of bad bungled expertise, but it's that these institutions themselves have failed every stress test. They've passed out on the treadmill, you know, 30 seconds after the belt started running tells you, yes, that whatever is producing our class of smart people, uh, John, of course, uh, excluded from this. Uh, he's not doing John's a very, very good much job. Included in this, I did I make it not make oh, it yeah. clear? I, I included John in this. I'm I'm waving the flag for I'm carrying the colors <laughs> for expertise. Yeah. It's me and me and Fauci are running for president. Yeah, they're out. <laughs> Can I just make one adjustment to the, the Rob's point? Is I, I think there's a difference between expertise and all these failures you're talking about which is uh, expertise should not include making fundamental trade-offs about what people want. That's what our members in Congress are for. So I think what's happened is expert, experts like Dr. Fauci have expanded their powers because Congress and the president allow them to, to take over issues which aren't really questions of expertise. So like whether to have lockdowns, is it worth uh, you know the, the st- slowing the spread of the disease in exchange for uh, the great losses and econo- you know, trillions of dollars of losses of economic activity and people, medical problems going up and the loss in education. So that's not an expertise issue. That's just, you know, what do we want as a population? Do we want one or the other? Uh, I, so I think that's the real problem is that there are the undeniable areas where experts help, but I think they've taken over the basic questions we should make, uh, you know, make in terms of the values we want. Well, look. I mean, the, the the premise of Rob's point is that the uh, is that today the tacit assumption of expertise is that it's a singular thing. Uh, you, you know, James mentions uh, you know brain surgeon. We want an expert brain surgeon, but you can also ask for a second opinion if you're doubtful uh, of what uh, one surgeon is telling you. Uh, good, for, and then we make our own decisions. Uh, in the case of so many areas of government today, expertise allows uh, uh, one answer. Expertise is uh, is no sort of collective, right? So, um, trust the science. Trust the science, exactly. And that's the problem: is uh, experts disagree, but disagreement, as we've seen with the you know the persecution of Dr. J. Bhattacharya, Scott Atlas. Mm-hmm. If you dissent from the party line, uh, uh, you know nowadays you know you're denounced, punished, etc. Uh, and so there, back again to your point, Rob, is that the citizen legislator. They don't need expertise to bring a common sense understanding of trade-offs, as John puts it. And that's why they should have the, the final word on these things. Yeah. Well, if I have to get second you know, opinion for a brain surgery, I'm going to ask a Mayan ceremonial tree patter just to see if we <laughs> a different way of that. Uh, the lockdown, yes, the lockdowns, I, you know, when this was all going on, we had, um, and we were forbidden to go to work. People were barred from the office for just a couple of weeks, mind you, turned into two years, destroyed downtown, absolutely wrecked the real estate market. People now in Minneapolis are not going back to work like they would before. So businesses are closing. It's just fantastic. But one of the first things they did in our building up in the top floor, there was this wonderful little outside deck that you could have. And they had a problem because if people did come to the office during this period, they might move their chairs 
closer together. They might move their chairs closer than six feet on this wonderful outdoor deck with the wind blowing and taking the virus everywhere. Nobody was going to be. So they had to figure out what to do. Do they weight down the furniture so that it cannot be moved? Do they tie it in place or do they remove it so people are required to sit outside at a distance in this wonderful deck 15 stories up, shouting at each other through megaphones in order to be heard over the noise of traffic. I will tell you this, though. They were pretty good chairs. But really, (laughs) when it comes to lawn chairs, when it comes to anything in their backyard... I got something for you that you're going to love because it's affordable and it's beautiful and it's the, it's, it's the best. I've got these chairs, these wicker things. I don't know where I bought them. Humidity got into it and they sag. I had somebody actually fall through one of them the other day. Embarrassing. You don't want that to happen to you. And here's what I'm telling you about. Outer. O-U-T-E-R. So finding furniture, though, that I like is always a problem. You can find something you like but it's cheap. You find something that's really nice, but it's hideously expensive. Eh, I don't know. When you think about it, though, it matters because 93% of your life is spent indoors. But so many of our favorite moments are outdoors. The fresh air, the feeling of peace, since warmer weather and those nice, pleasant breezes, they're almost here. Let's make the most of it with Outer, the new outdoor furniture company with purposefully designed furniture to get you outdoors more. Outer makes the world's most beautiful, comfortable, innovative, and high-quality outdoor furniture, all from sustainable materials. And it's the only outdoor furniture with a patented built-in cover to make protecting it effortless. From teak chairs to fire pit tables, everything Outer makes has the look and feel of what you'd expect at a five-star resort for less than you'd pay at a big box for something that you know, won't last. Outer is better in every way because they've spent years perfecting outdoor products with stunning modular designs to customize your space. Life-proof material with a nano coating that's water, mold, bleach, and stain resistant and triple memory foam cushions that are comfier than most of your indoor sofas. It's the how come nobody thought about this before invention that made Shark Tank's Lori Grenier and Mr. Wonderful fight to invest in outer. They have over, over 1,000 neighborhood showrooms around the country to see their outer difference in person. I just have to visit outer's virtual showroom, if you wish. They have stunning displays that will inspire the feng shuiest in you. Outer furniture comes with the best-in-class warranties, like 10 years for their chic aluminum line and a two-week trial with free returns. You can see the difference at liveouter.com slash ricochet. Plus, for a limited time, get $300 off and free shipping. This is Outer's best offer anywhere, only available to podcast listeners, and only for a limited time. That's $300 off and free shipping at liveouter.com slash ricochet. Liveouter.com slash ricochet. Terms and conditions apply. And we thank Outer for sponsoring this, the Ricochet Podcast. I can't believe you got through that without a segue interruption, James. That has to be a new record. That's because it's a new sponsor and nobody knew what I was doing. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I was like behind on the on the on my rundown here. I was like, <laughs> can I make a pitch uh, uh, here for a better, I think, better political response to experts than to attack experts? Which is, uh, think about the mask mandate. We shouldn't have a problem if people want to wear masks, right? Why don't we rely on? decentralized decisions. That's what the natural conservative answer is for most things is if we're not sure, if the experts are disagreeing, like Steve says, let's let the states decide. Let's let private companies decide. You know, no, nobody's stopping United Airlines from requiring masks. I mean, I think all the airlines showed what they think of the science behind masking. They all said immediately they're not going to enforce it. 
Starbucks and McDonald's, mm-hmm. even, even, I mean, it's impossible to eat a McRib through these things, by the way, but Starbucks <laughs> and McDonald's, right. They can still require you to wear a mask when you come onto their private uh, property and then let states, cities, counties decide. I, I think that's the better conservative response is if we're not sure what the answer is and let, let's have the traditional American response to let, let the decision be decentralized throughout our country. And then we'll figure out what the right answer is. Decentralized. That's amusing. Don't you know that the very same strictures that should apply in dense Manhattan ought to be the same in North Dakota, in rugby, North Dakota, that the people in a VFW club in the outskirts of rugby should be required to do exactly what they're doing in New York City or else this nation means absolutely nothing. Anybody got a last one for John before we let him go? I know he's got probably to finish lunch and go teach somebody and then sell some of those $432 books that he was waiting not to sell them. He assigns them. That's how he sells them. It's the greatest (laughs) game in the world. I'm Um, sorry, John. I, I could probably get a PDF version of that book, right? A Kindle edition for 99 cents because Lord so, knows there's no, you know, Rob, Rob's definitely it. working on a mini, a comedy mini series about you law be? professors. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's, that like, sounds big. That, that sounds so big. big. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So uh, John, um, big uh, Supreme court uh, decisions coming down in June, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Any, is there any hint? Do we know anything? I mean, is there, a, it's, it's locked tight, right? I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a here's crazy the inter- thing, right? Yeah, here's the interesting thing that would drive you crazy is that the decisions have already been made, the opinions already, for the most part, drafted. Because right after, you know, the oral arguments for the cases you're talking about, the big abortion case, the big gun rights case, the justices vote the same week that they hear oral arguments. So they voted months and months ago. You know, they know already how these are coming on. They've been drafting the opinions. They're probably getting Man. close to finished. So I, it's amazing. The place does not leak at all but the decisions are already done <laughs> in a way it's already in the can what are they doing po- post-production cgi yeah, yeah, yeah right. marketing <laughs> just taking a little you know like so wait, so it doesn't leak is it because it's all like is it still typed i mean how do you not leak something that's on an email that's on a doc that's like what is it in a dropbox something i mean <laughs> how do you Actually, in the beginning, when the court started using uh, computer networks, so when I clerked there, so uh, I was trying to describe to someone what being a clerk was like. It's like, I was like the Japanese office lady who brings in tea for the justice when they think deep thoughts. But I'm just like the right-hand person. So you watch. When I clerked there, they were just they were just using word processing and emails. And so what they did to prevent this problem you're talking about, Rob, is <clears throat> hacking. Like, why aren't the Chinese hacking the Supreme Court? They actually created their own network that was physically separate from the outside world. So there was no way actually from anyone from the outside world to interface with the Supreme okay. Court network. My understanding now is that the Supreme Court actually is interfaced with the internet and they have like... If you could figure it out, you know, they have email addresses. So, like, I bet, you know, Justice Breyer is, <laughs> I love S. Justice Breyer at supremecourt.gov. But they, so I, emanation you know, now they have penumbra so at, yeah, supremecourt.gov. So, Jeffrey Tubin has those addresses nailed down. So. <laughs> exactly, right, right. <laughs> so, the, <laughs> that's really good. So, the, the um, interesting thing is, I think they're just as subject to ha- being hacked as you know the rest of the U.S. government, which is which means I guess Xi Jinping already knows how the abortion case is coming out. Yeah. Right. <laughs> 
They're subject to be great. So a phishing email then goes to somebody in their 80s and they say, oh, I guess I'm, I have to reset my password right now. And the next thing you know, all the stuff is spread all about it. That's, that'll be great. So that'll that, be fantastic. In terms of the, like signs, I, I, none of the justices have given speeches or anything that indicate one way or the other how they might be deciding. Uh, there have been times when they have given speeches and people have said, oh, Justice Ginsburg seems dour and unhappy in this speech. And they tried to project forward where right. that meant they were lo- she was on the losing side. But so far, we haven't really seen anything like that wow. one way or the other. It's impressive. It's impressive. Kremlinology is what we have to bring to it now. Speaking of, I mean, and the Kremlinology is back, by the way, because I was everybody was interpreting this photograph of Putin the other day. He appears to be gripping the table for support. His right leg has a tick. His face is moon puffy from prednisone, and he's slouched in his chair in such a way that indicates that he's very ill. And then somebody pointed out the exact same posture and picture and gripping from about two or three years ago. Maybe wishful thinking, perhaps. Anyway, John, it's a pleasure. We look forward to the sitcom Rob is writing about law professors called You who it'll be up on Netflix, um, which about 14 people will be watching in 2024. Right. If, I'm, if I'm lucky. We'll talk no, to you later. A, when the, it's a we'll squid game again. for 2023, guys. Squid game That'll for be squid game, A legal squid game. I can't wait. We'll talk to you again, John, when the guest we really want to talk to bails on us and we have no other choice. So it's been a pleasure. See you in line at McDonald's for that delicious, juicy, dripping McRib. Pleasure. Thanks, Bye. guys. Uh, before we go, we've got a couple of things. Stephen, you're going to be with us next week because Peter is uh, in Israel. Israel. Is that correct? Yeah. He's going to say that? Yeah. Right. But we're going to be talking next week with you about your book, which I'm holding up you like now, uh, called M. Stanton Evans, Conservative Wit, Apostle of Freedom. Uh, and we'll talk a lot about it and, and uh, sell a lot of books. But briefly, if you had to give me the elevator pitch for this book and tell me why I should buy it, what would it be? And keep in mind, we're not in one of those New York skyscrapers that goes up 100 floors. Yeah. We're in my building, uh, which uh, the Star Tribune offices are on number 12. So ding, doors close, go. Right. Stan is one of the unheralded heroes of the modern conservative movement from the 60s into the 90s uh, and was a modest guy who didn't tout his, uh, his role and his achievements. And so I thought he deserved to be remembered and celebrated. He was my first mentor out of college. And in addition to being a top quality journalist and thinker, he was also a great wit. Uh, did you ever know him, James, when you know you were in Washington? No, yeah. no, no. I, as a matter of fact, I didn't. And when I got the book, you know, of course, like most, like everybody does when they're sent one, I went right back to the <laughs> index to see indeed if I was quoted in some way. And I wasn't. And then I look, you know, so you got lilacs and you got long. Okay, I'm not in it. Okay, but Rob isn't either. So yeah, well, good. if I'd done the index, I would have done the, you know, you always hire those out. I would have done the William F. Buckley trick, what he did with Norman Mailer. I would have put right. lilacs, James, right. hi, James. James, right? That's the old trick, right? Uh, well, what you do is, you know, the appendix has some of his great one-liners, uh, right? I mean, a, Stan was uh, one of my favorites. Is um, young conservatives in 1964 had to get over the Goldwater defeat without grief counselors. He, he would, <laughs> he'd spin these things off very deadpan, yeah. and he was just brilliant at it. Uh, I have but, to say that uh, you sent me a copy of the book, and um, and I told Gutfeld, Greg Gutfeld, who was, uh, I guess, an intern for him. Yes. And yes. kind of like looked up to him, like idolized him. And I was mentioning to Greg that you'd send me a copy. Oh, oh, I want, I want to read it. So yeah. I gave Greg my copy, and huh. then I bought a copy. So oh, you're that a great man. How much I uh, am looking, and I haven't read it yet. But is that how much I'm looking forward to reading it? I bought one. Wow. 
yeah. Well, so thank I you for uh, plugging this. We'll book. talk more about that next week. We'll have lots of quips and excerpts, and uh, Stephen will expound upon his book and why you should buy it. Um, by the way, that would have exceeded the twelve floors. I would have been standing there with a frozen smile, holding open the door while it dinged an alarm. But still, it was worth it. Uh, that was enough to make me want to buy the book. Good elevator pitch. Uh, before we go. <laughs> couple more things. Uh, Rob, I believe you have the obligatory ricochet promo, I which, do. which, which um, involves alcohol and staggering. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I want to make sure everybody knows that what's happening here. We are doing a uh, ricochet uh, bar crawl in New York City next month. We're doing it in partnership with America's Future, which is a group of sort of young conservatives and, uh, and they're joining us. So it's going to be kind of a big bash. It's in New York City next month. Members only. So please join uh, it starts at City Vineyard, which is uh, on the Hudson. Um, it's a uh, technically the address is two thirty three West Street, but it's uh, it's actually right right there on the on the Hudson River. It's beautiful, and if it's not, it starts it's, at three p.m. Are you presuming that people will still be quaffing in the in the, in the night hours? I we're mean, gonna happened. we're gonna go until it's over. Uh, okay. We're gonna have a bunch of special guests. I, I don't want to give away too many too many uh, names, but we're gonna get a bunch of special guests going to show up. So please come. Um, Enjoy some drinks, meet some new people. Uh, if you are a member, uh, we want you there. If you're not a member, here's the solution. We are offering 50% off our annual membership right now. Just go to rickshay.com slash special. Use the coupon code FUTURE at checkout to get the discount, as well as a free pass to this event. And I have to say this, and I'm going to get in big trouble for saying it. But I'm going to say it anyway. Um, we really do need you to join Ricochet. <laughs> we, uh, uh, we are... Um, uh, we are, we, we need you to join. Um, we, uh, we, uh, there's a, we're, we're not free of the attacks from left-wing, um, agitators, uh, entirely. And we, we will probably have to make a, a financial settlement for a really stupid thing. Um, and it's going to cost us some money. So if you've been, if you're looking for a reason to join Ricochet, um, at the very least, it could be just because we will probably end up having to, uh, pay some money to a person who will legally, um, be owed this money, even though it doesn't seem fair. Um, I'm, I probably shouldn't have said what I've just said, but just know that more, more coming in the next month or two. But if you're on the fence, join, and then I'll tell you all about it. Uh, after the fifth at drink the, at the meeting, oi, on uh, on uh, May fourteenth. So it's Saturday, May fourteenth, three p.m. Three p.m. until whenever. Yeah, whenever. Question mark? Question mark? That'll be great. I'm making the decision on whether to go. I really want to go. I really. Yeah, really, come. Why, really why not? What do you mean? No, I do. And so I'm just trying to figure out the whole uh, logistics of the rest and whether or not I want to come in. Because I hate coming into New York. Every other city in the world is easy. New York, for some reason, I just getting from the airport into Manhattan itself is always oh. difficult. So I'll, I'll probably do Newark and then take oh, the train. Oh, Newark is fantastic. Yeah, that's probably what I'll end it's up It's 20 doing, minutes. So. I'm serious. Yeah. 20 minutes. Okay. Also, well, uh, the, um, uh, City Vineyard is right on the Hudson. So if you mm -hmm. stay in someplace on, on the west side, like mm -hmm. it really is 20 minutes. Right. Well, I'll make my decision today, and then we can post it on Ricochet in case that's the thing that finally gets people off the fence. Okay. Can't really think that it would, but I it's think it entirely will. possible. I think oh, it will. Well, Alex, I want to go and look down on him because he's a short man, oh, and it would be a pleasure to just sort of stare from the heights of my commanding five foot. We'll, uh, we'll get a little. Uh, we'll get a little special chair or something for you. 
Right. Or some coffee cans, chock full of nuts that I can strap to my <laughs> shoes. And that would be boost me, I think, like right, you know, to, to eye level at the rest of it. Stephen, anything to get to regale us with before we go? We got to get out of here. But of course, we've enjoyed you being with. And thank you for t- sitting in for Peter. Aside from everyone buying your book, M. Stanton Evans. Um, any parting shot? No, I, I got nothing. I'm, I'm worn out keeping up with you guys. <laughs> well, the uh, ever effervescent mind of Rob Long. Uh, anything from you before we cap that bottle? Uh, not at all. I was, this has been a lot of fun. Um, it absolutely has. And we're out in a short amount. I know we got out of here in an hour. This is perfect. Who needs guests? Just have you, you, and uh, Stephen and me, and uh, and we're good. Don't let Peter hear this. Just kidding. Can't wait to have him back. Podcast brought to you by Bowling Branch by Fast Growing Trees, which probably grew about three inches since we started talking about them. And Outer, please support them for supporting us and join Ricochet today. If you wouldn't mind, by the way, if you could go to Apple and give us five stars, that'd be absolutely fantastic. We would love it. It makes more people see the podcast. More podcasts means more viewers, more listeners, and that means more people contributing to Ricochet, which means we survive. And we want to survive, and you want us to survive, too. We're going to hit 600. Can't wait. That's 10 podcasts away. In the meantime, though, we'll see you all in the comments at Ricochet 4.0. Next week, fellas. Next week. is enough I can't take this BS any longer it's gone far enough you wanna claim my soul you'll have to come and break down this door I knew that something was going on wrong when you started laying down the law I can't move my hands I break out in sweat I wanna cry can't take it anymore but this time's gotta stop, enough is enough I can't take this BS any longer It's gone far enough, you wanna claim my soul You'll have to come and break down this door I've been around a long, long time Seen it all and I'm used to being free I know who I am, try to do what's right So lock me up Throw away the key But this time's gotta stop Enough is enough I can't take this BS any longer It's gone far enough You wanna claim my soul You'll have to come and break down this door them, then what's coming down the road, 
The light in the tunnel could be the southbound train. Lord, please help them with the load. I guess I gotta stop. Enough is enough. I can't take this BS any longer. It's gone far enough. You wanna claim my soul? You'll have to come and break down this door. I guess I gotta stop. Enough is enough. I can't take this BS any longer. It's gone far enough. You wanna claim my soul? You'll have to come and break down this door. 